protein is is responsible for the production or you know in some way uh function of everything in the body so it's it either is protein or it's made by protein is kind of how it works so like we can go ahead and get into this welcome to the human element podcast today we're doing just an intro to proteins it's um proteins are kind of a super complicated topic plus Blair's been dying to get into this so we needed to hammer out a little definitions you know exactly what are proteins before we go too crazy with it so yeah when when we first put the uh outline up for this episode I immediately realized that it would be like a two-hour episode yep. if we stuck with uh with everything that was on there because we were going to look into like athletic performance and that can get really involving when you start to break down, you know, endurance versus resistance training and what kind of, what your, and then timing of it and all that kind of stuff. So before we just dive into all that, I wanted to be clear on, um, I'm big on making sure people understand the foundation. So I, that's why I kind of wanted to just do like a basic, what is it? How does it work? Uh, what do you need it for? What are the recommendations? All that kind of stuff. So uh, there'll be some science, not too many studies in this one, I imagine. I do have a few for um, some of the more like later stuff in this episode, but uh, kind of just wanted to make this little round table on it, trying to explain protein to anybody listening to us. So yeah, basically break out the textbook and hopefully not put people to sleep because a lot of people drive while listening to podcasts. So <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I'm interested in proteins. So yeah, that's, no, that's, they're, they're awesome. So, but I did want to start out with kind of a, a common myth and there's a little bit of cultural competency that I touched on in the last episode, but it's that please stop telling vegans and vegetarians, where are you going to get your protein? You can get protein from plants. You can get a lot of protein from plants, actually. Of course, meat is the most ideal source of protein, but if somebody's decided to be a vegetarian or vegan, whether it's for health, moral, religious reasons, stop being an asshole. They can get their protein outside of meat. Just leave them alone. Let them do their thing. If they're having deficiencies, that's not your area to come in because you don't know what those deficiencies are. Just, yeah, stop. Don't be an asshole. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's, and, and that kind of will come into explaining what proteins are. Why he, if you notice, Nick said that um, meat is the most ideal uh, protein. And that's, uh, there's a reason behind that, but I agree. Like there's no reason to assume that you can't get enough protein like where do our animals get their protein from you know like exactly. i mean it's got to come from somewhere but i will say and i caution with especially veganism there aren't very many and i actually have a problem with like how things are marketed nowadays is there aren't very many vegan sources of protein that are highest in protein they're higher in something else carbohydrates or fat you know, lentils is probably one of the best ones out there as a like protein per gram kind of thing. But, you know, you do have to be very careful and dedicated to it because there's not a lot of super, you can get a lot of protein if you're focused on it, but it's a lot harder for like vegans since as a vegetarian, you can still have eggs and Greek yogurt and cheese and things like that, that do have a decent amount of protein to them. So that's my one caution with it. I think vegans benefit from perhaps getting a plant-based protein powder more so than a vegetarian wouldn't necessarily need that. But 
um, yeah, if you're if you're cautious and you know what you're doing, you can absolutely get enough protein on either diet. Yeah, and it's one of those because it's kind of like every every very specific diet, whether it's the keto diet, vegetarian, vegan, things like that. You have to be very careful. Make sure you're getting what you need. And so, kind of what Blair alluded to was that, or he has on other calls that we've had, is a lot, there are a good bit of vegans who aren't getting quite what they need, but trying to stick with what I said there of not being an asshole, it's also not everyone's place to tell them that. So really, you've got to be careful, like you said, make sure you're getting everything you need, but also assume they are. Right. Like I'm, I'm the first person to say that I don't like veganism. I really don't. I, I, I have my issues with it, I should say, but at the same time, I guess a lot of that stems from, I've met a lot of vegans who seem to have an agenda to want everybody to be vegan. And like, if you want to be vegan, that's great. It's not your position to tell me I have to be like, I get it. You're passionate about it. And you think everyone should eat that way. But like, if I seem resistant to it, just leave me alone. Like don't badger me. Um, I've met dietitians who only tell their clients to be vegan and you know if they're already like a foot in the door with that and you're helping them be healthy with it that's great like i would never tell someone who wants to be vegan that wants to be a client of mine that they shouldn't be that way it's just not the lifestyle that i want like that's not how i want to eat it's not how i want to be and it's not what i believe in but i know how to do it and i know how to make someone do it well you know i just it's not my position to try to change someone and how they want to eat uh specifically to like a cultural standpoint like you said like i would never tell someone from the Middle East that they're no longer allowed to have, you know, any kind of spices in their food and that they're no longer allowed to have, you know, any baked breads or flatbreads. Like, I mean, like you just aren't going to tell people in their cultural reign, like I'm not going to tell an Asian they can't have rice, you know, like that's, that's just, uh, people want to stick to what they know and what they love because of their culture and that's fine. So, you know, I think that includes a uh, culture of choice, which would be like a vegan culture or, you know, your dietary culture. Yeah. And uh, additionally to that, so I've never really come across people who are out trying to convert the masses to veganism and baptize them in garbanzo beans and hummus. Um, but yeah. so I, I, I have some homemade hummus in the fridge right now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I haven't really come across that. So I can't give too much like practical knowledge. But my, if somebody was really trying to convert me, it's just kind of, hey, look it doesn't matter. It's not going to help. It's not going to work. You're never going to be able to convert somebody who eats meat, loves steak, fish, things like that. Like you're, it's, you can, you know, like people change religions and that's real tough. Well, I mean, you, you can, I'm just saying like, it doesn't work on me and I don't, yeah. I don't appreciate it for that reason. Like, you know, I mean, but, but like I said, I think it only comes down to like, you have a choice in how you want to eat. And yeah. I think based on that choice, like I think vegan and keto are almost the same thing. They're both extreme restriction diets that can be healthy if done well. But, you know, it, and I, so here's the thing too, that like, I, I don't want this to turn into a vegan episode because I think that we should have a whole episode on yeah, that. We'll have one you know, that. so I actually, I will, I'll just drop it. I don't want to go into this. We'll have a whole <laughs> vegan episode because I'll remember what I was going to say at this point. But anyway, so yeah. I agree. That is a, that is a bad myth. And so let's move on to, like I, I alluded to with how um, Nick mentioned that meat is the ideal protein source. And what, what that means is, so protein can be broken up and classified in a few different ways. Um, but primarily the way that you look at protein is whether it's complete or incomplete. 
and what that means is um, complete proteins. There's there's amino acids are what proteins are made out of. And if you've ever anybody that exercises, I'm sure you're aware of what amino acids are, just because of BCAAs. They're huge. Um, supplement huge one of the biggest supplements on the market i think actually is bcaas and fat burners but um so bcaas are the branch chain amino acids those are three it's a, it's a class of the amino acids three of the essential ones um so basically there's 20 amino acids involved in creating any new protein or tissue in the human body and nine of those are essential, 11 of those are non-essential, or some of those are what's called conditionally essential, which means that they can become essential in certain times, which would be like stress and growth. Um, they really doesn't matter what the, what the amino acids are. It's never going to be like super pertinent to anybody, just the lay person trying to understand. So we're not going to go into that. But basically what a complete protein is, is it has all of those essential, all nine essential amino acids in enough quantity per serving to sustain human life and an incomplete is lacking in one or more of those so per serving does not have the the amount and so like if that was your only protein source that one serving you would ultimately uh wither and have some sort of protein issues and um why i stress per serving is because i think it's important to notice this kind of feeds back into the vegan vegetarian myth is um peanut butter is very commonly seen as a it's an incomplete protein it's it's lacking in methionine um however if you were to eat enough if peanut butter was the only food you ate all day which honestly if you could only eat one food i might pick peanut butter because it's got a good amount of calories it's delicious it's got a decent amount of protein in it yada yada so the the requirements for methionine is about 1.3 grams 1.5 grams per day and 100 grams of protein has 0.26 grams of methionine uh, 100 grams of protein is about 500, 600 calories. So if you ate five servings, you'd eat about 3,000 calories, 125 grams of protein, and you would hit your methionine goals for the day. So it is technically possible to make that a complete protein by eating enough of it. Um, you know, so ideally what you want to do is, and Nick can dive into this, I'm sure, is eat what's called complementary proteins as far as making a complete protein source. Um, you know, so I'll let him take over on that. But it's just that's one of the important issues as far as why like meat is a complete protein. All animal sources are complete proteins. So that is an ideal protein source because it's compact, it's succinct and it digests very easily. Um, vegans might try to argue otherwise, but we can get into that in just a little bit, but go ahead and take away yeah. like the, the complementary protein and incomplete protein side of things. So um, one thing I really wanted to touch on in addition to complementary proteins, but is that, so as far as a complete protein, animal products will be a complete protein. You can guarantee that. But except gelatin. Except gelatin. I always mm -hmm. forget. It's terrible trying to be in, in school for nutrition and continually forgetting that gelatin is an animal product. That's yeah. So might have to cut that statement out of this episode. <laughs> but um, anyway, so to the best of my knowledge, there's not that many plants that are complete proteins, which is where you get into your complementary proteins. So I know soy has all of the essential amino acids that you need. I think soy is lacking in one though, oh, per, per serving. Yeah, I think, I think uh -oh. it actually is an incomplete. I, th I think it's commonly said to be, mm -hmm. um, but I think there is one that it's low in. All right, so I'm learning 
shit every single day. So, <laughs> but I actually have um, written on here lentils for protein because that's going to. Methionine and cysteine are deficient in soybean. Well, there we go. It provides all essential amino acids as well as most non-essential, but methionine and cysteine are deficient in soybean. There you go. So that's where complementary proteins are coming in. So right. I think it's quinoa, soy- spirulina. There's a few others, but I think those are the two main ones. Um, yeah. 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 And complementary proteins is a little bit where I lack because just in my personal life, I've been pretty like pretty focused on animal products for protein. And so that's a new thing that I'm trying to get into is more, add more plants, try to make sure I'm getting the complementary proteins, things like that. But so if you were having soy products, being that now I know that it's not a complete protein for you per serving, you would want to add in. Sorry, yeah, ahead, I think I think that would the soy thing though probably fits in the same thing like the peanut butter thing I explained mm-hmm. is if you eat a few servings of it, I'm sure it's no longer lacking. And like, I mean, yeah. I'm, it, that's why it's always difficult to assess how these things work sometimes is because I said always and then sometimes that doesn't make sense. That's why it's sometimes difficult to assess how these things work because it's a per serving kind of thing, you know, like it's like when you do, I think one of those cookie companies, the protein cookies got in trouble because they, um, they had like a statement of how many calories were on it based on the number of serve or like a serving. And they had the number of programs of protein based on the whole package because the serving was half a cookie. So it was 20 grams of protein, but it said like 190 calories when really the thing was 380 calories and then had 20 grams in the whole thing. So like, that's you got to pay attention to that kind of stuff because people all the time be like this has more salt than salt and it's like well look at the amount of the serving you know like that's you can't just say that kind of shit so yeah like i think that's kind of one of those things but um so basically complementary protein is eating protein sources together you know everything has some amount of protein that's the other thing too there's very few things that are just zero um other than like pure sugar but like most whole foods have protein broccoli has protein rice has protein yada yada so complementary proteins is eating proteins that are deficient in one thing and then having something with it that are deficient in a different protein but high in the protein that the first thing is deficient in so it's like building a puzzle and the most the most common one is uh, rice and beans Um, honestly i think any kind of grain legumes goes well with it or some kind of vegetable but I also don't think it has to be like when you have rice, you have to have beans. Um, If I'm eating a piece of chicken breast, then the protein in my broccoli counts too. I'm already getting a complete protein. So it's not like I need to have all complete proteins or the protein doesn't count. Um, So if I have rice now and beans later, I still got those proteins. It's not like they disappear between meals. I think, you know, when you start to look at nutrition as a daily basis thing, as opposed to, I mean, there is, nutrient timing matters in certain situations but for the most part it's a daily thing you know like let's let's hit the reset every day and try to be a little better or whatever than yesterday but you know it's not like every meal has to be perfect this is how a meal looks let's move on to the next one yeah and that's also really that's a really important point that not everything has to be perfect all the time coming from a dietitian is because the field of dietetics is really transferring from food police away. So it's kind of a really good take takeaway there. It doesn't have to be perfect every time we want it to be, 
but kind of slowly work towards it, make today better than yesterday. Um, but, and I'm doing a lot of rambling so far. No, that's fine. <laughs> um, do it. Yeah. But um, so kind of, we've been harping on these amino acids and maybe you're sitting at home in your car, whatever, going, what's an amino acid? Why do I care about amino acids? We came here for proteins. Well, amino acids are the I mean, the building blocks of protein. So if you were to break proteins down all the way, you would find these amino acids. And that's why, that's really why protein is super necessary for us because we're going to eat it. It's going to go into our stomach. It's going to get broken down. You're not going to absorb this whole protein because I mean, that's like absorbing a rock relative size to your stomach. You, you don't have the ability to absorb a whole protein. So your body has to break it down into those amino acids so that it can take those and build what it needs with those amino acids. So, and what it's gonna build with the amino acids is actually specific proteins that your body needs. So everything in the body is carried out by proteins, it's either everything or most things. Um, I would definitely say everything. Yeah, so protein is is responsible for the production or you know in some way uh, function of everything in the body. So it's it either is protein or it's made by protein is kind of how it works. So like um, you know your blood cells are protein, your muscles are protein, your skin is protein, um, your hair is protein. Like I mean it's everything is some sort of. I mean some of the stuff will surprise you what's what is and isn't like protein or carbs, but like. Most of human, like most of the human outside of uh, water is protein and minerals. So like your bones are primarily minerals. But yeah, so I mean, there's, you're, you're largely protein and it's vital to the repair process, which is why like when you look at creating, if you are like a macro person or whatever, like when you do macros, the first one you assign is protein because it's fixed daily. Right? You know, it, it's, this is how much protein you eat. And then if you're a, you know, high intensity exerciser, we're going to give you more carbs than fat, which is kind of like a football diet. And then if you're a, you know, duration endurance kind of person, or you're not like a high intensity exerciser, then we're going to give you a balance or maybe give you more fat than carbs. Those are kind of interchangeable. Um, you never want to go no fat. Like carbs are more non-essential than fat, in my opinion, as far as from a, a vital function standpoint. But yeah, protein's fixed. I mean, you, you eat the same amount of protein because it's, it's repair, it's rebuilding, it's strength, it's digestion, it's everything. So, I mean, it's, it has so many functions in the body that it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And so, like Blair said, it's everything in your body is going to be either made by a protein or is a protein. And on top of that, even if it is a protein, it was most likely made by another protein. And if it has to get somewhere in the body with a quickness, it's going to be taken there by a protein. So protein has something to do with everything that goes on in your body, which is why protein is the most important macronutrient. You can't cut it out. You'll yeah. I, yeah, it's absolutely the most important in my opinion. It's the, uh, it's the wonder nutrient. Um, yeah. And there's, there's evidence of protein, you know, from like a weight loss standpoint, higher protein shows an increase in um, caloric expenditure. Um, and there's, we did studies at Florida State where people consume protein prior to going to sleep, men and women alike. And it showed uh, increase in weight, uh, fat loss and an improvement in total RMR the next day. Um, 
I've seen studies showing that consuming protein prior to exercise shows an increase in fat burn during the exercise. Um, protein has a very high thermic effect, causes, causes your body to heat up more than most other nutrients. And it also, I think that's largely due to, like we alluded to, its number of uses. Protein's very resistant to storing as fat um, because it has so many uses in the body to the tune that, um, so right now the, we mentioned, I think even last time, the RDA, the, the recommended amount of protein per day is 0.8 grams per kilogram. Um, so protein's always gonna be done in a, in a grams per weight is, is how you're always gonna see protein written. A lot of things are done that way in science, just so you have the variability between different sized people. Um, but 0.8 grams per kilogram is, is pretty low. That's, that's the amount, like we said with RDA last week during hydration is, it's the amount needed to survive. When you go start looking at um, the more scientifically driven recommendations, currently uh, the ISSN, the International Society of Sports Nutrition says any active person, so not a weightlifter, not a sports player, not, none of that, any active person should be getting 1.2 to 2.0 grams per kilogram. That's a huge range, but even 1.2 is 50% more than 0.8. So, um, you know, the amount of protein that, that's suggested to us is low and, you know, it's, it's a strive. So I always recommend people to get a gram per pound. I mean, people weigh themselves in pounds. So, um, you know, if you're obese or very overweight, I would say a gram per pound of desired body weight. Cause it's, I mean, if you want to be, 180 pounds and you're currently pushing uh, you know 290 300 it's gonna be hard to get 300 grams of protein in a day um you know but so i would say go for the amount of grams of protein of your desired body weight but um yeah i think uh i think it's it's protein is very under underutilized under not understood well enough it's uh it's kind of demonized to some degree too in some circles of nutrition so um, I was, I came from a protein heavy lab, so I'm, I'm a defender of protein. <laughs> um, and like you said, where it, you kind of, you feel like protein's a little bit underprescribed. So that 0. 0.8 per kilogram, you think that may be a, too little for a lot of people also with that being a low number, I would argue that there's a ton of people. I would probably more than 50% of people are not even getting that number. So yeah, not only is that possibly a really low recommendation you you might be severely under that low recommendation so that's where um I, we're on episode three now i think every episode i've come back to counting calories or macros just so you know i mean that's what's in, yeah just so you know what's in your food use it as a learning tool so that you can you know what you're getting yeah it's funny actually i remember you said something about lane norton at one point his uh -huh. how, how friend she can be that kind of stuff a lot of people feel that way but um he actually had a really good post that made me think of you where someone said something like uh, calorie deficit never worked for me. Hate to break it to you. High carb, low fat, however, high fat, low carb diet, blah, blah, blah. And Lane Norton replied to it and said, a calorie, he said, counting calories didn't work for you. Not a calorie deficit didn't work yeah. for you. You're, you're, you're mistaking a method for a tool, yeah. you know? So like one is a mechanic that works. The other is a tool to get to that, you know? So like, yeah, no, it is. But that's, that's where we're at with nutrition is everyone thinks it's just counting calories, but it's, it's piecing together the intricate, intricate puzzle of how humans work and getting them to whether it's a caloric deficit or surplus or whatever their goal is. I mean, it's, it's piecing puzzles together, not typing equations for robots. It's, yeah. it's you know. 
Well, and then even on that note, and we'll get into keto and everything on a totally different episode. But so there's a little bit, I've seen a little bit of metabolic inefficiency when you switch from, if you were to cut out carbohydrates in total, um, just your body's not as efficient with that. So your calorie requirement will be increased and that contributes to creating a caloric deficit. So when somebody says, oh, calories in, calories out, didn't work for me, keto did, well, maybe they, maybe they tracked and they were eating the exact same amount of calories as they were when they weren't keto and their body just needs a little bit more to function just because it's not used to that. Um, it's, it, it always boils down to calories in, calories out, except for maybe like 0.00001% of the world population. So you could have a severely backwards metabolism where it does something weird, but the rest of your system. Yeah. Like a myostatin gene inhibition or some shit like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, so, and I don't even think keto, like, yes, there is an inefficient, like, I mean, ketones don't produce the same amount of energy ATP per gram of fat as the Krebs cycle does. That's part of why keto works. But at the same time, you're also consuming what three to four to five times the amount of fat you would if you weren't on keto so you're eating more fat you're burning more fat it is calories in calories out i don't think there's magic behind keto i think keto ultimately just is it's high fat high fiber those things fill you up and protein makes you stay full so like the diet is designed to make you feel full if you eat it correctly um that doesn't mean just snort bacon and cheese like i just move on your life um so uh yeah so just kind of going back to um Nick brought up amino acids and like, I, I kind of wanted just to dive into like more of the classification behind protein. So um, the, the other way that you can look at protein is what's called its bioavailability, um, which is another reason why animal sources are specifically seen as more ideal protein. Um, the bioavailability is the it, it rate at which the protein able is in, able to enter the body versus the loss that gets, you know, that moves through the body. So like, um, I think egg whites are supposed to be the most pure protein as far as like a, egg whites. So you get almost a hundred percent of the protein that you consume. Um, and then, you know, like whey protein and most animal proteins are in like the 90 plus percent where you're going to consume if that's the old, but that's the thing too, is this kind of scale falls under the same idea as GI, which is what the, um, what is the um, glycemic index? Glycemic yeah. index. Yeah. yeah, I'm blanking. Bad. No, um, you're okay. Yeah, I think I kept thinking gastrointestinal. I'm like, that is GI. But yeah, that's you, the other said, GI. you said GI, um, and I was like, uh, okay, yeah, gastrointestinal. Yeah, <laughs> but gas. No, so GI, the glycemic index. Glycemic index works if that's the only food you eat. So, like, it's a hundred on the glycemic index if you eat just white sugar. But who does that? You know, nobody just eats a spoonful of white sugar. So. The bioavailability of protein can, I believe, be affected by having other things with it. So if you drink milk with your whey protein, it's a little worse because there's some fat in there or some other things. But even still, that also applies to plants, which plants tend to fall in like the 70-80% range. So they're a lot less bioavailable. So, you know, that's not a perfect system, but it is. it just does go to show you that you get less of the actual protein that it says from plants compared to the amount. So like, you know, if you drank the same amount of protein, 20 grams, you would get 18 grams of an animal-based protein. You get about 14 grams of a plant-based protein. 
Um, you know, just, just so you're aware, it's not saying one, it's one is better or worse. You just have to know the amount that you're actually absorbing in a pure state. Yeah. So animal proteins are definitely more bioavailable. Um, and kind of one, my understanding of that is a, the protein in plants is wrapped up in a cell. So plant cells have a significantly stronger cell wall that not it takes longer to break down, but also our intestines aren't as specialized to be able to handle. That's why ruminants, cows, and things that they eat grass, they eat only plants. Their intestines are way longer. Their stomachs are larger. Couple different, couple different stomachs, because they're specialized to break that down. So on top of it, just kind of digesting different and not being as bioavailable, it's also harder to get to, which is contributes to it not being as bioavailable. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Um, um, and then another different thing that differentiates a lot of animal proteins from plant proteins is leucine. Specifically, it's one of the branch chain amino acids that Blair was talking about. And all animal proteins have enough leucine to get what you need. And leucine really comes into conversation when people are talking about building muscle because leucine's the only amino acid that can stimulate muscle protein synthesis? No, and, incorrect, incorrect. Ooh, yeah. There we go, okay. Now we're recording. Okay, right. so um, my computer crashed in the middle of that. We were talking about- I, I stopped it so I could eat, actually. I'm talking about yeah. food, so. Yeah, so I was trying to keep him from enduring the massive shame of going and getting a snack and myself some green tea, but it's out. It's out. We had to take a break. Um, but this is a good time to introduce why our audio sounds different also. So not only did my computer crash in the middle of recording, what we usually use to record audio isn't working either. So we're just using Zoom audio. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of apologies for that. We couldn't really help it. But if you're mad, I don't care. We finally get the like audio difference correct maybe yep. we're hoping this time we're close and uh now there's this another error but I, we, we'll get it right one of these days it'll work out that's it's um, no point but anyway so so yeah we, anyway we were kind of touched on leucine so i'm not i mean i'm pretty positive leucine is not the only activator of mTOR it is the primary activator of mTOR but I'm, i've heard researchers discussing that leucine is primarily discussed and import of importance because of its radio labeling capabilities it was the easiest to track okay. through the system to see when it got there and uh, activated things so you know i don't i don't know like i mean i feel like you know i alluded to like cholesterol at one point and i still will bring that up in an episode um how i think there are some things in nutrition that are misunderstood or not represented well or um you know, are, are based off of pseudoscience or omission of data and things like that. Or, you know, there is agenda in research, you know, I, I may have mentioned it might've just between Nick and I might've been on a previous podcast, but Florida state was sued one time because uh, we ran a study and they didn't like the results. It wasn't what they claimed on their package. We didn't find the same results and we got a subpoena because they didn't like, I mean, like they provided the product and they were pissed that it didn't have the results they wanted. So like, you know, someone funds a study and it doesn't say what they want. They don't have to publish it. And that happens all the time, you know? So, um, 
I, you know, I, I think leucine is important. I think it's specifically important more is like during exercise, having leucine on hand or drinking BCAs while you're exercising or before leucine can be directly uptaken by the muscle during exercise. It's one of the few amino acids that, that can skip um, stages of, of absorption and metabolism so that it can get into the muscle during typically things like digestion and absorption are shunted during um exercise your blood and body is focused on the task at hand and and things other things are down regulated but leucine's able to kind of sneak in there and uh help delay fatigue as its primarily function in my mind um but yeah so it is important and it does help activate muscle synthesis um however i don't think it's the sole proprietor it was my only point on that one thing i've thought of so this is an absolute tangent. Um, but so one thing I've thought of is because blood is shunted away from the organs when you're doing exercise and things like that, what if we had enough blood in our system to just kind of fulfill everything all the time? Would we just be like super bloated, full of blood, mosquito mm -hmm. dessert kind of like the stay puff marshmallow man? Yeah, yeah, red. exactly. <laughs> like just red all the time. So that's, that's completely random. It just happened to come up and that's been on my mind for, you know, like the eighties police chief character who's like so fat and he looks yep. stuffed into his clothes. Yep. He's like about to explode. <laughs> like you just look like that all yep. the time. Like, yep. So um, yeah, definitely, definitely that little comedy bit is important for Lucene. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, let me see where, like, so basically Amino acids, proteins just vary like complicated because so there are four different structures to protein and I'm not going to dive into what it all means, but amino acids, the, the way the amino acids are arranged is the first structure. It's also the only structure that can't be broken down by cooking or anything outside. The body breaks down the first structure. Uh, I think it's an enzymatic um, reaction. It, it, they, you have certain enzymes, proteases that are meant to help break down proteins and specific um, amino acid uh, bonds. And so how the amino acids are arranged determines the structure because they start to bend and create bonds. So like, if you imagine it like a linked chain, it'll start to fold and create different like patterns. And then depending on the amino acids, you'll start to have more and more tangling start to occur and bonds occur to, to hold that together. Um, you know, so cooking, is the primary mode it's called denaturation denaturation can occur to any structure of protein except for the first which is like i was saying that's required inside the body um so that's why you know protein unlike and i actually think vegetables should be cooked as well both cooked and raw but protein unlike vegetables needs to be cooked or specifically animal proteins because you have to denature it, it makes it easier for the body to absorb it when it's broken down a little bit for you um you know, so cooking is one way. Acid's another one. So like ceviche would be acid. You're denaturing the protein of the shrimp or whatever seafood is without heat. It's with acid. So it's, that's the same thing. That's how it's being cooked is the protein is being broken down and it causes it to firm up. Um, an egg white firming up, become, going from clear to white and, and turning into like a classic egg is the most common example of pro protein denaturation. Um, but yeah, so that's... Um, that's why proteins. So there's not just one protein. That's why I think it's difficult for people because you tend to think of carbs, you know, as this, and I actually saw it on a post the other day where it was like, protein is not bad for you. Fat is not bad for you. Carbs are not bad for you. And it's like, 
why is carbs the only one that's plural when I arguably carbs has the lowest amount of differences, you know, um, fructose is fructose, regardless of which fruit. I mean, like most things are what they are, but carbs, it's basically based on length of chain and maybe some branches like fiber has different branches than, um, you know, and we'll do, we can do one on carbs too, to kind of dive into that. But, you know, the protein that your skin is made out of is different than the protein that your muscle is made out of. So like your, your skin is primarily keratin, which is, that's the name of the protein. Um, whereas the, your muscle is actin and myosin are the two major proteins. Those have different functions. You know, your organ protein is very different from all the other protein in your body. So to just say protein is, is so limiting to me because of how complicated proteins can be. And same with fat. There's a million different fats out there. So yeah, I just found that nomenclature kind of funny and relevant to this episode, but it's like, yeah. it's just called protein, but it's like, even in supplements, there's a million proteins, which I will get into protein supplementation in the other episode yeah. about athletic performance, but yeah. And uh, just to kind of give you a nice depiction as to what makes a protein different. So if you, you have your amino acids all connected, if those amino acids aren't the exact same, they'll create a different protein. And then on top of that, the last structure of proteins, it has the opportunity to bind with other, you could call complete proteins to create a different protein altogether. So when there's a ton of different proteins, there are a ton of different proteins. So just kind of. Yeah. It gets, uh, it gets wild in there a little. So, <laughs> but yeah, so feels like we're a little all over the place we're going to move into like protein recommendations more specifically now and and some of the issues there but just to kind of wrap up like kind of started with nick talking about um ideal protein being meat and that just to go into the ideal proteins are the ones that are most bioavailable and the easiest to break down and digest um and the most complete um but i also like to make a caveat that's in a perfect system just like exercise, what's the, what's the best exercise for you? Exercise, any exercise. The one you'll do. Yeah. You know, I, I, every time I ask people that, they usually say like, oh, squats or oh, this, and they think about it, but it's, it's the one you'll do. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a runner, run. I hate running, I won't do it. But whatever you're, the, the, the exercise you're likely to continue to do daily or, or a couple times a week, that's the best exercise for you. So whatever protein you'll eat is the best protein for you. Um, you know, making sure you get enough in certain situations like with veganism or, um, you know, pro diets that seem like protein might be tough to come by if you're just kind of diving into it. Like we mentioned, Oreos are vegan. That doesn't make them healthy. You know, so you, ha you do have to approach it with the right mindset. Um, you know, but you want complete, digestible, you know, easy to... Um, it has to be easy on your stomach, you know, like it really just comes down to feeling, but, you know, just wanted to make sure people understand what proteins are, where they come from, you know, what the sources are, like, like Nick mentioned, most animal sources are complete, most plant sources are incomplete. Um, however, gelatin is a plant source or is an animal source that's not complete. And then you'll have, um, we'll go ahead and say soy, it's close, uh, but soy is a high, um, has a good amino acid profile. And then quinoa and spirulina both are complete proteins or you can look up um, examples of complementary proteins like we mentioned earlier so um, yeah 
we can move into deficiencies and and all that kind of stuff now yeah before we move into that um it's worth mentioning that's i believe or from my perspective that's why i love essential amino acid supplements so much is because it has all of the amino acids that your body can't create that's why they're called essential amino acids and then allows your body to create what it needs if you have something lacking and given it has the ability to create it i'm not quite that far to know exactly the different variables instead of when your body creates amino acids but that's why i personally love essential amino acid supplements um i do want to dive into bcas and eaas but i'm going to get more into that on the yeah. uh on a supplementation episode yeah, yeah so leave that in the back pocket for now yep um yeah so what did you want to talk about with like you brought up the issues of like too little or too much protein yeah so. so with um too little protein as that's something that i feel like a lot of people have issues with mike mm -hmm. i was kind of hoping to be able to take that in the direction of uh, muscle loss specifically and how muscle retention directly correlates to longevity so the amount of time that you'll be able to live basically my thought was that if you're not eating enough protein your muscle is going to deteriorate because that's your body's protein stores is your muscles and so over like my thought process was this might be related to the amount of time that you'll be able to live and so I was looking up specifically what's it's called sarcopenia, losing your muscle and failure to thrive in the elderly. And I have one reference here, but it wasn't, it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. It found that um, <clears throat> sarcopenia is a little bit more general. It's not just protein. It has to do with vitamin intake, vitamin D, vitamin C and antioxidants. So it's not quite what, um, what I was looking for as far as the research goes, but it still hits on the topic where you need to have protein so that your body doesn't break down its muscle because that correlates with li living longer and having a higher quality of life. So um, just for anybody out there, sarcopenia, that might sound familiar vaguely because it's, penia means like loss, loss of. So like osteopenia is the, is the, beginning stages of osteoporosis so if you've ever had a bone mineral density scan you may have heard that word before sarcopenia would be the loss of muscle sarco is muscle so <clears throat> sarcopenia is age-related muscle loss um i think that's very multifactorial i th i do agree like i didn't read this study that you posted but it is multi it, there are there are many things related that which is like they mentioned vitamin c vitamin d antioxidants vitamin d is very important in muscle building um the germans actually discovered that using tanning during one of the olympics um they uh, absolutely dominated at the early olympics because they made all their athletes tan because they believed that vitamin d helped improve muscle yeah. strength um there's but, a controversy uh, with the olympics was it tanning or were they injecting vitamin d like <laughs> bro germans never cheat come on um so anyway um why i think it's multifactorial is is so one i think there is like you said a lot of people do not eat enough protein they, they may think they do but i had actually an argument with one of the strength coaches one time because i wanted to put up a sign very simple sign that said 
the three R's of post-workout, re refuel, rehydrate, or rebuild, refuel, rehydrate. And he was like, well, I just don't know about like having to put, because I wanted every, after you work out, you should get carbs, fluids, and especially like a big long practice and protein. And so I just wanted to highlight what a, a good post-workout meal should look like with those three things. I think that's a good mnemonic, three R's, come on. And uh, he was like, I just don't think, I think most guys get enough protein and I don't think that blah, blah, blah. And so like, I just dropped it because I was kind of new and I didn't want to like start button heads and get fired for whatever reason. And uh, just did it on my own, like behind his back, honestly. Like I, I, if a guy asked, I was going to talk to him about it. But um, I also started just in adding more protein to all the shakes. Like I, without, I mean, I was the dietitian, that's my job. And so um, I wound up giving out some meal plans and I had almost every single guy be like, Hey man, I don't know how to get as much protein. Can you, I had to make like a high protein snack idea and like start showing them how to make like Greek yogurt bowls with some protein in it for breakfast and stuff like that. Cause most of them were not able to get their one gram per pound. So like, you know, even football players who have a full service kitchen and meals provided for them and a diet plan and a dietitian on staff, were having a hard time getting enough protein. You can imagine the average person is having equally as hard of a time, if not harder, um, you know, so. Yeah, and I would argue definitely harder because they don't, not everybody has access to a dietitian. Um, not everybody knows how to sift through what's misinformation and what's actually true on the internet because we all know not everything on the internet is true. So it's not. I, not that I've found yet. I mean, most things, we'll say most things, like 99 point. <laughs> Got a lot of explaining to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, um, I think that aside from that, as you age, you actually need to eat more protein because your body doesn't absorb it as well. We become, our body is aging. It's not as efficient. It, that's why your metabolism slows down. It's harder to lose weight is because after you reach midlife, your body starts to die, to decay. Like that's what aging is. That's, I mean, I, I, we don't want to admit it to ourselves, but you know, I'm going to live forever. Yeah, whatever. But yeah. So like somebody who's in his sixties, her sixties is going to need to eat more protein than someone in their thirties to get the same results from a muscle building or muscle maintaining standpoint. Um, what winds up happening due to, taste buds dialing back and things not tasting as strongly is people move away from eating lean proteins and eat fattier foods, more salt rich foods because it's hyper palatable. So they can actually taste it while their, their taste buds are dying off. So you see a reverse of what needs to happen versus what is, I mean, like, so it becomes twofold because they need more, but they're eating less as they age on average. So that's a huge part of behind why I think there is a, a sarcopenia across the, um, you know, uh, average general population. Um, but then I also think exercise ties into it, which is basically <clears throat> there's two sides to muscle growth. And the, the first side of it, stage one is telling the muscle to grow, which is exercise. So just eating more calories does not, that's going to gain fat because you have to signal the body to build muscle. So if you're not doing some kind of exercise, that's telling, that's causing inflammation and telling your body it needs to rebuild, 
any excess calories are just gonna store as fat. You have to tell the body it's gonna repair what it needs to based off of normal function, and then it's gonna go to fat. Because it doesn't have a purpose. You have to signal the body to build muscle first. So with more muscle mass, a better maintenance of muscle mass, you have a improvement in what's called ADL, activities of daily living. And that's where you're going to see the lo like longer life expectancy, improve longevity, and hopefully improve quality of life. You know, so you might live to 100, but if you don't have muscle mass to support ADL, like, are you living or are you just alive? You know, like Surviving. it really, yeah. I mean, so <clears throat> what's, what's quantity of life without quality of life is what it boils down to. So, um, you know, I honestly think everybody that's, everybody that exercises and anybody that's aging should be taking creatine in my opinion, because it's just going to help with recovery. It's going to help delay that uh, muscle breakdown. Um, you know, if you're even just walking around a couple like days a week, and, you know, I would, I would make sure you have some creatine just to help with that reduction. I think there are some studies showing a reduction in uh, sarcopenia from creatine supplementation. I'll have to look those up, but I, I, I seem to remember that for some reason. Yeah, and all of those rules, too, with building muscle, that's the same with maintaining muscle. So when you're maintaining muscle, you don't necessarily have to have a caloric surplus, making it easier to build muscle. Um, but you do need to make sure that you are getting enough protein. The more muscle you have, the more protein you need, the more active you are, the more protein you need. And so without hitting that, that amount that you need, your body's going to be breaking down your muscle to get what it needs. And so if you're trying to not lose your muscle as you age and hopefully live longer, that's where, where I was assuming protein was going to come in. And of course, as we found out is way more complicated than that vitamin D things like that, making sure you're exercising because that's the second factor is you have enough protein, but you have no need for the muscles being the size that they are. So your body would cut back on that. Um, and that's kind of a little bit of repeating what Blair said. And like I said, I've done a lot of rambling this episode. So. <laughs> that's what, that's what a podcast is for though. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, you touched on something about um, maintenance, and I had a point. I, I lost it. See, that's what <laughs> happens. This is, that's, this is why podcasts are fun. That's okay. I um, ramble, he blanks. It's good. It's good. Yeah, so I don't know. But yeah, I just, um, it's definitely just, it's tough with aging because, like I mentioned, people, don't want and then you have other like mental health complications that come in because like dementia people forget to eat and actually there's research showing a reduction in, in calories as you age can help delay some of the effects of dementia on the brain and, and the onset of dementia but then it's like how do i cut calories but also increase protein um yeah. you know so i uh yeah it's real tough it's one of those things where it's like you got to start suggesting that elderly people have a protein supplement. It's just not possible. They, I mean, they, they aren't, if they're not as active and not as hungry, their metabolism slowing down, they need more protein. Like it's real tough to just find that kind of magic, you know, um, balance there as we get older. And it, at what point do you say like, fuck it, you know, I just want to drink whiskey and have whatever I want pancakes for lunch. You know, it doesn't, I mean, like at some point, you've tried your hardest your whole life. Now it's time to just 
die how you want to, I guess. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And that balances the, the quality and quantity of life. Because yeah. if whiskey and pancakes at 8.30 in the morning, that's going to lead to a high quality life for you. And you're happy with it. I'm not going to say shit. Like, actually, does sound nice. Yeah. Like, so, um, I might be there. Yeah. The next one was, was too much protein. Mm-hmm. So, too much and, protein. Yeah. So, I, I, this is what I actually wrote my article on. I wrote an article on this. Um, and, and, and you might have heard earlier that I mentioned the ISSN recommendation is, uh, it's actually 1.4 to 2.0, but 1.2 is a good starting off point as well. It's still, you know, but you're about two to three times their RDA at this point. One, like two times, uh, two to three times. Yeah. So, um, more or less what I found when going to the research is at 2.0 would be about one gram per pound. Uh, exactly 2.2 would be one gram per pound, I guess. But they actually went and studied even higher amounts of protein intake than that, which, so like, we're already talking about three times the recommended um, dietary allowance. And they had, so they had a group do the normal range, 1.4 to 2.0. And they had another group who was consuming 4.4 grams of protein per kilogram. So if 0.8 is the RDA, we're at what? Five over almost, almost six times. Yeah. You know, the groups showed no difference in fat mass, fat-free mass, or body weight changes, despite the high-protein group consuming 800 calories per day more than the control group. So they, they ate 800 calories per day more, purely in protein, and there was no difference in even fat mass. Like, they didn't gain weight. There was no weight difference, no weight gain. You know, so it basically showed no difference in body mass. Okay. The same lab conducted another study where the subjects did heavy resistance training and assigned to normal or high, which this time high was 3.4. So still pretty, pretty up there. While there's no significance in fat-free mass, so the lean mass didn't change much, the higher protein group showed significant reductions in fat mass compared to the control group, even though they consumed 400 calories per day more. So they lost more fat, but ate more calories. That's astounding. That's that's yeah. real crazy, like interesting research. So yeah, um, they this this study also examined blood markers and so not different saw no difference in the t- metabolic panel between the two groups. So they also didn't have any change in metabolic panel. Um, so basically, there's no as far as body composition and metabolic panel, there doesn't seem to be any negative effects, and actually showed some positive effects from increasing protein to upwards of four to five times the RDA. But what I found was really um, intriguing was I looked into whether or not it's bad for you, and I think that's really what it boils down to is the the age old uh, protein is bad for your kidneys. I think is what you typically hear. So. This whole idea stems from a study showing that rats who had one kidney removed showed renal damage when fed high protein diet and another group showed no damage but had renal hypertrophy. A more recent study showed rats supplemented with high protein diet showed no adverse markers on liver or kidney uh, health and instead improved liver health compared to rats not receiving protein. Well, the problem with rat studies is that almost all of the rats are bred with certain issues to be more sensitive to damage, disease, and death. Plus, humans and rats differ greatly, so the results aren't always transferable. So in a year-long study, subjects followed six months of either high or normal protein intake, then switched for a further six months. 
the high protein group consumed around three grams of protein per kilogram. There's, there was, the study reported no deleterious effects from either group. This fit in with a previous shorter study of the same lab that showed no changes in blood lipid or comprehensive metabolic panel. The most often time protein is limited in, is in the case of chronic kidney disease in which the patient is not undergoing dialysis. The main reason for this is because of the extra work that the, that the diseased kidneys do to filter proteins from the system, not an effect of the protein itself. Once on dialysis, the re recommendations are to increase protein. Dang. Yeah, and so that's, um, and it really goes to what we both believe is you, you can't have too much protein. No. If you were to be over consuming protein, there's another issue. So um, actually what I have as a myth is that high protein diets cause kidney damage. Like he said, in that first study, that's also on rats. You can't mm -hmm. extrapolate rats to humans. Yes, it's a model mammal, but they're not the same. Rats are, I mean, they've got so many different issues. I don't know if anybody's own pet rats, pet rats get tumors, period. doesn't matter what you do. Your pet rat is going to get tumors. It's going to get diseased because that's just kind of what rats do. That's what lab rats do. That's what pet rats do just because they've been bred so crazy. So there's a huge issue with trying to transfer rat studies to humans. And this is the case where this myth has come about that you can have too much protein. You really can't. Yeah. And I'll see if, if Foley's ready to come on next week or next, whenever we do the next episode, week or two. And, and break up the protein episodes and see if we can do the one on research. But, and she might have more insight on this, but I'm pretty sure originally we studied monkeys because they were much more translatable to humans, but it was just like uh, they have emotion and empathy. So it was deemed inhumane. So they do rats because it's seen as less human. It, they're, they're more dehumanized. So it's a test to see if we can move to human trial. And I guess it's set up to fail. So if something does make it through rat testing, even with their comorbidities and inbreeding and all these other things, you know, if it can still show efficacy and we can move to, then yeah, let's move to human trial. Cause if it can't kill a rat that's specifically designed to die, then it's gotta be safe. It's kind of what it looks like, you know? So that tends to be the movement is that you, you test it in the lab, like in blood samples or, or you know, plates, you know, cell, cell research, and then you move into rats and then you move into humans. So it serves a purpose, but saying that protein is destroyed, it's destroying your kidneys because of a study where rats who had one kidney got renal damage, like, okay, that's, I mean, that's not saying that humans eating too much protein have kidney damage, you know? So like, it's just one of those things to go, that goes to show like, this is entirely based off of a misnomer. It's based off bullshit, you know? So it, it's quoted over and over again, how bad protein is for your kidneys. and You can't have that much protein, even by dietitians, And it's based off of nothing. So just be careful with the information that you get, you know, always, it's always good to question instead of just accept things blindly. Yeah. And then, so that's another thing. So if they're doing a study on a rat with one kidney, keep in mind that protein is the same size, but human kidneys, we have two of them and they're both about the size of a rat. Like, so, yeah. I mean, you're completely different, um, 
completely different. I want to say systems, but they're still kidneys, but it's totally different. No, they are different. So, well then, yeah, let's get into the diet and fitness trend then, huh? Is that where we're at? Yes. Um, Yes. God, this, yeah. I, our, our diet and fitness trend, we're talking protein. We're coming after Joe Rogan now. Yeah. Yes. Oh, (laughs) actually let's go, let's go straight into this. Um, with Joe Rogan. I love it. Um, so one thing I noticed with Joe in particular, so he was or is doing the carnivore diet before that he was doing no carbs at all or something like that. And when he was doing keto or low carb, he was like, Oh, this is, this is the healthiest for you. And then he switched over to the carnivore diet. And I remember, I don't remember who his guest was, but um, he mentioned he was on the carnivore diet and they said, is that healthy for you? His reply was it's the healthiest. So if you're getting your information from Joe Rogan, God help you, please stop. Yeah. Like (laughs) I like Joe Rogan. Like I love him too. He has a great podcast. He's very good at interviewing people. He is, he genuinely engages people well, but he's also a stoner who just likes to ask questions. So like, he's not, he's not the expert on anything like being, being in shape, having abs does not make you an expert. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you know, it, actually today at the gym, I had an interaction with a girl because she was a trainer at the gym, but I saw her do two exercises that I think almost everybody on the planet, there's a third one that I think everyone fucks up, but almost everyone on the planet does a certain few exercises wrong. I mean, very, very, I'm just used to watching people's form from working in a strength and conditioning setting and having to like help with uh, workouts with the players. But like number one exercise that everyone, almost everyone I've ever seen does wrong is um, rear elevated split squats or Bulgarian squats, well, Bulgarian split squats. Um, and her form was just picture perfect. And then, um, she did, uh, RDLs. Most people do those are single leg RDLs. Most people do those wrong. There's a lot of hip rotation and stuff that that it's, I don't think people mean to. And the final one is kettlebell swings. Almost everyone does kettlebell swings wrong too. Um, but I, I just, I'm, I told her, I was like, I was like, you are like a picture perfect exerciser. I, 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 I was like, it sounds funny saying that to someone who's a trainer, but just because you're a trainer doesn't mean like just because you're in good shape doesn't mean that you know how to exercise even like you can have bad form and still make your muscles grow. You're still putting stress and load on them, you know? So like being in shape, having a podcast, like that doesn't make you an expert in anything. It doesn't make your information, you know, respectable by any means. So yeah, just, and so another way that I look at it with Joe Rogan, I mean, also keep in mind, he's a comedian. He's a comedian. That's his profession. It's a comedy podcast. Do not take facts from it. Um, If you are going to listen to any of the people he has on there, he does have experts on there who do know their shit. Um, Personally, Dr. Rhonda Patrick and Dr. Peter Atia. I love it when they come on. Um, I love their information, but they're also talking about shit that they're experts in. Um, They're not talking about comedy whereas you have joe rogan a comedian and he takes what they say and it seems like the more he says it the farther off base it gets and so keep in mind he's a comedian he does have health experts in which they know their shit but there's a little bit of a translation issue and then for him to say it to other people there's going to be a translation issue there but yeah it's it's 
don't get your information from him, especially he was actually trending on Twitter recently because he said with the coronavirus pandemic, masks were for bitches. You really want to listen to that guy for help? Like, <laughs> come on. He has, he has a point though. They are for bitches. So. I mean, if you're afraid of coronavirus, so yeah. if that's what you're classifying as a bitch or you're afraid of infecting other um, people maybe carrying it like so yeah anyway we haven't even said what the yeah, what we haven't we're, even what, what we're upset about here yeah so time. yeah the uh the trend is the carnivore diet which mm -hmm. joe rogan is big on right now yeah so i actually had a girl on a dating app while i was on those playing around before coronavirus was in full swing try to convince me because i was a dietitian that the chrono the, the uh what's it called um Carnivore diet. Carnivore diet. I you want to say Corona with this damn thing going on. <laughs> the carnivore diet was healthy. And I'm never one to just totally shut something down. Like everyone hates keto right now. I still give it a chance. I think it has its moments. You know, like I don't, I, I don't demonize things so quickly. So I wanted to look into it and really dive into it. Cause some of it does make sense. Like I am the first person to argue Meat is your best source of protein. It's the most digestible. It's the most absorbable. It's totally complete. Most meat sources are the better version of certain like um, nutrients. For instance, you can only get B12 from meat or eggs, but it has to be an animal source. Um, iron specifically is a much, much better absorption from meat. Heme iron is what it's called. It's, it's like what we have. So basically, I always hate this. There is no blood in red meat. There is no blood in your meat. If there was blood in it, blood has proteins and stuff. It would coagulate. It would look weird. The red color from red meat comes from what's called myoglobin. It's very similar to what moves blood through your or iron through your blood, which is hemoglobin. But myoglobin doesn't hold as much iron. But anyway, it's not. It's water and iron is what makes that red color. There's no blood in your meat. So anyway, um, that type of iron, heme iron, myoglobin or hemoglobin, is much more absorbable. Um, actually spinach has it's called the spinach paradox has a um less than five percent or one percent of the spinach that's or the iron that's in spinach is absorbed because it has oxalic acid which oxalic acid um binds or blocks the absorption of iron so you don't absorb any iron unless you cook the spinach to destroy the oxalic acid. You can do some other things like vitamin C, certain things help, but it's not as good of a source. And spinach is supposed to be, I think kale now is seen as the better source, which it, it is, it has lower oxalic acid. Um, but basically you don't get the iron out of spinach that is reported. And that's one of the big things that spinach is known for other than vitamin K is iron. So like, meat is a better source of a lot of things for that reason. So that's where it does make sense to me. Um, where do you get vitamin C from? We don't make vitamin C animals do, but what, I'm not eating liver meat. That's gross. Like I'm not, I'm sorry. Like you can find the most organic liver meat in the planet. I'm not eating some animals filtration system. Like it's just not what I want to do. I so, really wanted to try liver, but I'm scared. Like <laughs> it's it's like soft and mealy. Like I don't yeah. actually like I like foie gras, like mm -hmm. like the ground up goose liver, but like yeah. no, it's I don't no, I'm yeah. not gonna sit there and eat liver. But yeah, so like I don't know. I just I do have one question on the spinach. So spinach, you're not getting as much iron from it as we all thought. So why the fuck am I putting this in my smoothies? 
<laughs> well, so with the smoothie, you probably have some vitamin C in there. If you threw any sort of any, like, uh, berry, yeah. I mean, most berries have a little bit of vitamin C. So like that helps the absorption of it. Um, but you're all, you're better off putting kale or shard or something else. Um, I, uh, I don't know. Like spinach is, is, uh, I mean, oxalic acid is fine for you. It has health benefits. It's just not iron and people yeah. don't have a problem with oxalic acid. They have a problem with iron, especially women. Yeah. Women, women tend to be deficient in iron, which honestly, ladies, if anybody out there is listening, if you ever just kind of feel lethargic, tired, like you don't really want to like cold, if you have temperature regulation, especially in your hands or your extremities, you have an iron deficiency. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that hundred percent, but you likely have iron deficiency, which like that, all that stuff means that you're, you don't have enough iron to distribute oxygen through your blood well enough. And I've had a lot of girls just simply say something like, I just feel tired all the time. And it tends to be an iron deficiency. Eat, eat red meat or shellfish once a week, uh, cook your spinach, start doing shit to get more iron in your system. But, uh, yeah, this is not a talk about iron. It's talk about carnivore diet. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that's, I mean, I'm just trying to like spitball why I think it makes sense yeah. that it could be healthy. I, I understand it. I, the reason I don't even like fiber. So fiber is great, but it's not hundred percent necessary. Like it's awesome for our system, but if you're only eating meat, you do you need the bacteria that help break down plant matter. You know, like it, 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 I see where that comes from, but at the same time, like, is that how you want to live? Like it, I, the, the way I've always seen it is things that are delicious it, from a natural standpoint. If it's, if it is naturally delicious, it means we were supposed to have eaten it or are supposed to eat it. Like that's how it typically, I mean, most things that are poisonous don't taste good. Yeah. You know? So like, um, when I touched on that, uh, last episode with the negative energy foods is if you were spending more energy, which would, if you were eating a rock and you're spending more energy, than energy you're getting from it like it's going to taste like shit it's going to taste like a rock so uh kind of compounding on that is if it tastes good there's some benefit in it if there was zero benefit you wouldn't need it right um, yeah um but so okay what wound up happening that girl trying to tell me that it was healthy and then looking at the diet is there's no research on the carnivore diet there is research on aspects of the carnivore diet such as uh, they looked at inflammation and the group that ate higher protein and fat with less than 10% of calories from carbs had lower C-reactive protein than the higher carb group. Okay, well, this is not a high carb, low carb thing. This is a meat only thing. Um, if you're eating a carnivore diet, you're not getting any carbs. There's no carbs in the meat we eat. Um, if you were a carnivore eating meat in the wild, you would get carbs in the form of glycogen because it would still be in their muscles. However, we don't. We age our meat and the glycogen is, it leaks out. So we don't get carbs in the meat that we eat. Um, and there's also, a if you're eating less carbs, you're probably eating less sugar. Sugar is inflammatory. So that would decrease your C-reactive. I mean, but it's that all the studies were like that, where it was, it was like sort of close, but it was looking at something. Oh, Inuits who eat a lot of fat had lower heart disease. Well, that doesn't mean the carnivore diet re reduces heart disease. That means that Inuits have low heart disease for whatever reason. It yeah. could be a stress related thing. It doesn't necessarily mean it's because they eat fat, you know? Well, and then it could even be um, like being that, you get specific in your population, there is a possibility that say this diet reduces heart disease in the Inuit. Well, maybe this diet reduces heart disease in the Inuit. Maybe yeah. in Italians, it increases heart disease. Like that's where when you get a specific population, it even gets even more iffy. And that's one of the 
more complicated aspects of nutrition is just because this works for you. It doesn't mean it's going to work for your neighbor. Yeah. And, and I think it just, this just falls under the same kind of thing as like keto when it blew up and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff is if it might work, there's a, there could be anecdote. It could be great diet. I don't know. And I'm not going to support something without the research one showing that it works and two showing that there's no long-term negative health effects. So that's, that's the main thing is like, you can take, we have studies and, and, you know, research showing that long-term whole food plant rich diets, whether or not meat is part of it show improvements in health reduction in heart disease and things of that nature. We don't have long-term studies showing that eating a carnivore only diet has any long-term health benefits and whether or not there are any negative health effects. So until that comes out, if it comes out, I won't have any words to eat because I'm not saying it's a stupid diet. I'm saying we don't know enough about it to say that it's a smart diet. Yeah, all aboard. So, I think it's a stupid diet. Um, <laughs> it might be. I'm not saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, logically, I think it's a stupid diet. I can see yeah. why people think, but like, you know, what really uh, like uh, alarms me with the the carnivore diet. I almost said the Corona diet too, um, but is just cutting out all vegetables because. So I mean, like you said, if you don't need the gut bacteria to break down the fiber, maybe you wouldn't need them, but you still need like antioxidants vegetables and fruits they're rich in vitamins and minerals like i feel like that's something that would be very lacking in the carnivore i feel diet. like the the carnivore diet tries to claim at some point maybe i'm wrong in this i, I could have read i think i read that it tries to claim that it doesn't create as many free radicals but i've always heard that, oh, that meat does more like, yeah yeah i don't know yeah but then like i mean i don't know because like there's really no research showing that red meat specifically has any increase in heart disease risk it's more mm -hmm. processed meats having yeah. like processed foods in general um you know cool. so I, I mean like it just i know that like red meat's high in what is it histidine which causes mm -hmm. heart issues you know so like there's it's all over the place where it's like I, to me i think it just goes against the organic nature of everything in moderation it's the very opposite of yeah. a moderative diet you yeah. know so like i just i that's why i won't get behind it or find it like something i would ever 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 recommend to somebody but yeah and that's a really good point because everything in moderation so we can it kind of parallels the keto diet if you leave the keto diet unchecked it can cause brain cancer so like everything in moderation. So if you're doing keto moderation, do what? I didn't know about that. It can cause brain cancer. Well, so let's take it with a grain of salt because I don't have a reference to back that up. Um, oh, well, that's then. I, so I, I heard it from an expert. I just can't remember who the expert is. So we can take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, we are. This is sounding dodgy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I, if you, next episode, you if you can come up with that, I'll, I'll read it and buy into it. All right, right. sweet that'll be something to do tonight um but so where i was also going is like colon cancer that's also a big discussion with the coronavirus if you were to not have any fiber um, not coronavirus carnivore diet carnivore diet dang, there we are um there is the worry that no fiber increased meat your risk of colon cancer is going to go up and so that's something that a lot of people are worried about i'm worried about that um and especially because a lot of cancer has genetic factors to it. The genetics aren't going to make, make you get the cancer, but they're going to make you more 
predisposed to the cancer. So that's where it gets super specific. Like I said, something that works for you might not work for your neighbor. If you do the carnivore diet, you're perfectly healthy on it. It might cause your neighbor to have cancer. It's a possibility. So that's another reason why I can't get behind it. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I, like, I agree with you. I, at this point, I don't think, I think it's a pretty stupid thing to jump into just because we don't know enough about it. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's ever going to come out to be something that I think most legitimate researchers are not going to touch it. Like they just don't see a point. Like, you know, I'm sure if it gets big enough, it'll be like keto where everybody will start jumping on board, but I don't mm -hmm. see it staying around long enough for legitimate researchers to be like, yeah, let's do longevity study on this. Like, yeah. I just don't think it seems that logical. So Yeah, and that's where the research aspect, that's where I have a lot of confidence in the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics because you know they're watching that. You know they're doing studies, um, or at least I would assume, I would assume they're doing studies on the ketogenic diet and long-term health. So if, it's, if the carnivore diet becomes something that sticks around for a while, I'm sure they'll jump into it and try to get some data on it. Um, so that's where... We don't have research, but I do have some confidence that there is a good potential that we could have a lot of research on it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but that's kind of what I've got to this. Um, did you have any more to add? Nah. Good. Right. Yeah. yeah. So here we go for our sign off. Um, for the little last nugget thing, I'm going to double down on what we started with the cultural competency. Don't be an asshole to vegetarians, vegans. If they want to live there, if they want to eat a certain way, if they have to eat a certain way, let them be. Let them be. Don't tell them what to do. They'll be like, oh, you're going to be missing this, that, and the other because leave them alone. Don't be an asshole. Stay out of people's lives. Um, yeah, so mine's going to be coronavirus driven. I think everybody needs to do their due diligence with this thing. So, um, you know, we're looking at one of the craziest pandemics that's ever happened and it's still going and getting worse. I mean, if you look, Florida has had 8,000 new cases or something like that. And it's crazy as you want to say Florida is it's all you assholes coming to Florida. When you heard the beaches were open, uh, people flying, I had a friend's brother flew down. He had to get surgery and his brother flew down to take care of him from Michigan packed flight. You know, so you gotta wear that kind of stuff. Like, I know we're facing killing each other with corona or killing each other with poverty with the way that things are shutting down, but you know, do as much as you can. I actually don't agree with working out with a mask on because I've actually seen with some of the better masks, like if it's filtering well enough, um, people are having going to the emergency room because of carbon dioxide. A nurse told me today they've had people come in because of carbon dioxide poisoning because the air has nowhere to go and you're breathing too much carbon dioxide back in. Um, you know, so I don't know how legitimate that is. That's what a nurse told me today. But um, yeah, I think we just need to stay safe. Like I, I mean, honestly, I know things have been flip-flopping, but it's a novel disease. We don't know enough about it. So, um, you know, just stay attentive, stay at home, social distance, don't take unnecessary risks. Like you don't know whose mom or grandma you could accidentally kill just because you became a carrier and exposed someone. So that's not cool. Uh, so I guess that's my sign up is just be. Is it done?
Uh, my internet was cutting in and out. So it says yeah. it's still it says it's still recording. So if this made it into the podcast, this last little portion, if Blair's audio was lagging a little bit slow, that was definitely on our end. We've been having technical difficulties all day for this for this whole thing. So, yeah. but if you didn't get any of what he was saying, wear a mask. It's uncomfortable. Oh, I can't breathe. Suck it the fuck up like wear a mask just try to curb this virus but yeah so and with that we see you are later done. see you later